that song like gets me every time. Every time. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I, I just, I love that, love that song. Um, today, I wanted to start out with a confession. And I think you guys like it when I start out with a confession because it lets you know it's okay to be jacked up because I'm jacked up too. And here's, here's my confession. And I think I'm going to get a lot of people kind of leaning in on this because I, there's probably a lot of you in this room. I have serious trust issues. Anybody, anybody with me on that? Anybody? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The people that really have trust issues didn't raise their hand because, like, I don't, I don't trust you trying to get me to raise my hand. Um, I have trust issues with, with people, and, and many of you have had this happen where somebody calls you and they're really like, hey, man, we got to get together. I got an incredible opportunity for you, which means... I'm selling something and you need to buy it, uh, but because that's happened to me, and I'm sure that's happened that's happened to you as well. I've got. Tri- I remember years ago, I went to one of those retreats. Um, I was on student government in college, and they did those. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on one of those things where they do the stupid trust falls. You know what I'm talking about? Like everybody in the room stands and you fall in their arms, and uh, they were like, "So it's your turn." I was like, "I'm not doing it," and they said, "No, you're going to do it." I was like, "You don't understand. I'm not." falling into their arms because she's 5'2 and weighs 95 pounds and I will kill her if I fall on her. So I'm not, I'm not doing it because basically I just don't, I didn't trust them to catch me and I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Totally missed out on all the fun. So they say, because I have trust issues with people. I have trust issues with the government. Anybody with me on that one? Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I don't trust either side. And what about the libertarians? I don't trust them either because they're all high right now. That, that, so I don't, I don't trust. I have trust issues with the government. Um, hey, let me, get, let me get very real. I got trust issues with God. Now, I know I'm not supposed to say that because I'm the preacher. And the preacher's supposed to have his stuff together. But there's a reason this church is called Second Chance Church. It's because I'm, I'm just going to be very honest with you. And when I tell you I have trust issues with God... I'm not talking about I had trust issues with God seven years ago and, and got them all worked out. Like, I've had trust issues with God this week. Like, okay, God, I love you, but for real, are you going to handle this or not? Like I've, I've got trust issues. Every single person that I know that would be willing to admit it, you've gone through a season, or maybe you're in a season right now, where you've got some serious trust issues with God. It doesn't look like he's going to come through and, and I don't know if you've ever prayed this prayer, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know a lot of people that, God, if you, don't come, if you don't come through, I'm done with you. I know there's people in this room that have prayed that prayer because you feel like you can't take it, and, and you, get, you get, it seems like you're surrounded with like fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, maybe even depression. So this is, I want to teach you today, I want to teach you today because we're starting a brand new series called Dead Man Walking. We're going to walk through John chapter 11 um, for the next like seven or eight weeks. I'm going to go ahead and give you the punchline to the the very end of the story is a guy named Lazarus dies and Jesus brings him back to life. I just told you the whole, that's the, the, told you the whole story. Just told you that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Just, just kind of messed up the whole thing for everybody. All right. But there's a series of things that happen And one of the very first things that happens deals with this issue of trust. And I want to teach you a prayer that I wrote down just in a a moment of incredible vulnerability with God. 
This is what I've learned. You might as well go ahead and tell him what you're feeling because he knows it anyway. And I think he respects vulnerability way more than hypocrisy. So this is the prayer. This is the prayer. And if you, don't, if you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to walk away with this because this is the prayer that I've learned to pray in those moments where I'm having a difficult time trusting God. And it's this, Lord, I can't see you. So help me to trust you. That's strong. I, 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 there's times where I have a difficult time seeing God. Now, I've heard people go, I see God in everything. Well, come up here on stage and let us sing a song to you, all right, because you are awesome. But I haven't, there, there's just days I can't see him. There's days I can't feel. There's, there's, days I'm, there, there's days that we all doubt. So in those days, instead of denying that, let me go ahead and tell him, Lord, I can't see you. So help me. Help me, God. I need some help here. Help me to trust you. And with that in mind, we're going to jump in to John chapter 11. We're going to get through six verses today. Six, six verses today. Here we go. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, before we dive in, one of the things I was taught early on is if Scripture says something, it's important. But if Scripture, if you find a pattern in Scripture where something is getting repeated over and over and over again, you need to lean into that. So with that in mind, John tells us in John chapter 11, verse 1, a man named Lazarus was, what's this word say? One, two, three? Sick. He was sick. He was just sick. So if, if it's an opening scene to a movie, you got a camera and it's kind of panning across a man and he's in a bed and he's sweating and um, he's covered up and you can tell this guy is so sick that he's about to die. I mean, he's, 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 he's sick. And John tells us that. But John doesn't just tell us that once. He, he kind of drives this point home. Watch this. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary, because evidently there were a lot of Marys around. I guess nobody just, hey, what are you going to name? Just name her Mary. So everybody was just named Mary. So this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. And everybody in the audience was like, oh, yeah, that Mary. We know exactly. And then John says something again. He says, um, her, her brother, Lazarus, was sick. Okay, John, you told us. You told us in verse 1 that he was sick, but thank you for telling us in verse 2 that he's sick again. Anything else you want to say, John? John goes, yes. Verse 3. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very... Okay, okay. We, we've, we've got the point here, right? Lazarus, at the end of the day, if you're going to use one word to describe Lazarus, at this point in the story, we're all going to say that Lazarus is because John made it obvious. Now, here's why this is a big deal. Because in the ancient world, 2,000 years ago, you didn't admit you were sick. Like if you had a, like a skin disease, the thing you wanted to do is hide it. If you had a sickness, you wanted to hide it because sickness was considered to be judgment from God. Like you were being judged, like there was sin in your life, there was something wrong in your life. So if you were sick, even though we didn't, okay, that something's wrong in his life because if he really loved Jesus, he wouldn't get sick because people that love Jesus don't get sick. And so admitting that he was sick was a big deal. He, was, he, he got to the point where he didn't care who knew he was sick. All he wanted was to get well. And everybody in this room probably has experienced that to some point or another, like, 
like physical sickness. I'm the guy, I'm the guy that won't go to the doctor until I, I wake up at the doctor's office because I passed out somewhere. I just won't go. It's like I'll be, I'll have the sniffles. Hey, you going to the doctor? No, I don't go to the doctor. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Like my arms hanging on by a tendon. You going to go see the doctor about that? No, it's, I mean, it'll, it's, it's a flesh wound. Didn't you see Monty Python? It'll, it'll heal itself, right? I'm, I'm, I'm good, right? I remember my dad one time, I had the flu. And I'm not talking the flu like, if you've got the flu, you are down and out. And I'm in the bedroom with my covers pulled up to here, freezing and sweating at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? And my dad said, I'm taking you to the hospital. I was like, no, you're not. He's like, I'm about to call 911. I was like, oh, dear God. So let's go. So I go to the ER and the doctor. They all, I think they're trained to say the same thing. You know, if you got here sooner. I was like, you know what? I didn't get here sooner, doc, so fix me now. I didn't say that because I couldn't talk, but... But it, it was that thing where you're physically sick, and sometimes we put it off way too long. And if we honestly, if we'd just gone to the doctor sooner, it could have gotten handled. It's the same emotionally. Like, if you struggle with anxiety or depression or despair, you notice how quiet it got in the room? It's because we don't talk about that. You know why? Because if we mention that in Christian circles, People say they're praying for us, but then they look down on us because somehow if you had anxiety, if you got depression, if you're living in despair, you obviously don't love Jesus and nothing could be further from the truth. But because of that, it keeps us from speaking out. Or when you feel spiritual sickness, spiritual sickness is like, I am, I'm not walking with God, I'm limping with God. And I don't know what's wrong. I can't figure this out. I can't figure out what's wrong. But I don't want to say anything because as soon as I say anything, people start looking down on me. So I'll just be quiet. In fact, let me give you three reasons why we don't say anything when it comes to especially emotional or spiritual sickness. The first reason, the first reason is this thing called fear. And we all have fears. Well, I faced one of my fears this morning uh, in the restroom. It's a spider killed it. I killed it dead. It's so dead, they're going to bury it twice. Um, but but I'm, I freak out over spiders. But I, 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 I crushed it. And we all have to learn to overcome our fears. One of, the biggest, one of the biggest fears in the world today in the society we live in is social media. I'm not the anti-social media guy. I just think you should have to take an intelligence test before you log on because everybody has an opinion and about your life, and they don't even know you, and they're anonymous. Who cares what Sally Pants 47 thinks about what you wore to work yesterday, right? But we'll let that consume us. I learned this because I posted a picture, this was about a year ago. And I, listen, I, I wasn't even trying to be controversial. I may have been controversial a time or two on social media in the past. But we sang a song about grace a while ago, and so I'm good. I'm good. But I wasn't trying to be controversial. I literally uh, I put my Bible on my kitchen counter, and I put a cigar on top of it because I love cigars and I love Scripture. Some of you might remember this. It was on Instagram. I just said, hey, the first Bible study that I'm going to host at Second Chance 
is going to be called Cigar and Scripture. And you have to smoke a cigar if you're going to be in this Bible study. And we're going to smoke cigars and read Scripture together. Now, how many of you would like be in? You're like, I'm in that Bible study. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of y'all are like, I don't smoke cigars. Well, that's too bad for you because they're awesome. So I posted that. I posted that and literally <laughs> went outside and smoked the cigar. I didn't even check the post. The next morning I got up, I had seven text messages from friends going, dude, what, one guy was like, way to start a holy war last night. I was like, I, st- mm. I started a holy, I, so I texted him back, what are you talking about? He said, look at your post. There were over 100 comments. People telling me what a Christian should and should not do. A Christian shouldn't smoke cigars. I'm like, Christians shouldn't be a jackass on social media either. But I, I didn't say that. I just, I thought it, I thought it, I thought it. I thought it. <laughs> we got to get that children's area quick, don't we? Um, <laughs> talk to your kids about that when you go home. But, but we, some people would be like, oh, take the post down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I've learned. I've learned. And I learned this over time. And it took me a long time to get here. But here's the fact that I want us to walk away with today, that the quickest way to lose sight of what God says about me is to hyper-focus on what others say about me. And there's a lot of people here today, maybe you're carrying a tag or a label that somebody put on you one year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. And I want you to understand, in Christ, you are not who they say you are. You are who God says you are. And God says you are forgiven. And God says you are free. And God says he has called us to live an abundant life, not one where we're scared to death what somebody might say about us if we go here or we do that. So fear. What I'm telling you is you don't have to be scared to admit you've got a problem because guess what? Everybody in this room is completely jacked up. If you don't believe me, look to the person sitting to your right and to your left. Yeah, right? Hold on to your purses, ladies, because this is a jacked up crowd. The second... The second reason we don't admit things is shame. And we've all experienced shameful experiences. All of us have experienced shameful experiences. I, <laughs> years ago, I went into Verizon, and this lady came up and introduced herself, which I appreciated so much because, listen, I, I, don't, I don't know names. I don't do the name. Hey, do you know who I am? Nope. Guess. No. I'm, I'm not doing this. So you either tell me who you are, I'm walking away. And I don't care if you tweet about it. And so anyway, so it's, it, she walked up and she said, hi, um, Pastor P- Perry, my name is Terry Smith. Um, but you'll probably remember me as, as Terry Johnson. I was like, oh, my gosh, did you get married? She said, actually, no. Uh, I got divorced. And I was like, oh, hold on for just a second. I'm going to put my foot in my mouth. That's how I felt. I'm really glad I didn't see anybody get their camera out when I did that. Um, <laughs> hold on. Get my balance here. Bam. Y'all like the vans, by the way? Uh, okay, anyway. I ain't trying to be a skater. I'm just trying to wear good shoes. But every time I went in that store from then on and I would see her, I kind of felt, you, you know how it is you say something stupid like that and you kind of feel embarrassed? And I know, I know I didn't know, but there was kind of some shame involved. And that's what happens a lot. When, because, listen, there are people in this room, because of what you did or because of what was done to you, 
you feel incredible shame and you don't talk about it. And you keep pushing it down and keep pushing it down and keep pushing it down. And let me tell you, let me tell you the reason it's so healthy to get it out. And it's this. Shame shackles us to the past and stops us from stepping into an amazing future. So at the end of the day, I understand what it's like to feel shame, but I also understand what it's like for the shackles of shame to fall on the ground and to step into freedom when we just confess it out loud. The third reason, the third reason that people won't, won't really admit that they're sick is we have seen what has happened to others that admitted they're sick. In church world, they just disappear. It's like the rapture takes place all of a sudden. It, it's, I remember having this conversation. It's one of the toughest conversations I ever had with this girl. And she was talking to me. She's like, I'm so glad you started this church. And I'm always like, why are you so glad? Because I want to know. And she said, I, I said I would never go back. I was like, <laughs> me too. Anyway, it, and it kind of developed from there. And her story was she grew up in the church. She's very involved in the youth group um, and started. She was like, I was dating a guy. Probably didn't need to date him. Probably didn't need to be with him. But I was dating him. And the next thing, you know, next thing you know, she said, I was, she said, Pastor, I, I, I got pregnant. And she said, I, I needed to, I needed help. So I go to the church. I went and met with a pastor and talked to him about it. And the pastor and a couple of the deacons, and they were like, um, we need you to resign from every committee. And if you choose to attend, I'm not making this up. If you choose to attend, we want you to sit on the back row. And people wonder why church attendance in America is decreasing. Because see, Religion will kick you out, but Jesus will draw you in. I keep, I keep thinking about, I keep thinking about what would, what would Jesus say to the 18-year-old pregnant girl? And as I read through scriptures, I've discovered that when people are in a position that they wish they weren't in, they don't need a lecture. They need love. And people say, doesn't love endorse their sin? No way. Love tells them, I don't care how messy you are. I don't care how, I don't care how far you've fallen. We're going to walk with you through this. And that's what I think Jesus meant when he said, love one another. So at the end of the day, my prayer for our church is that no one here would say, I messed up. And feel like you get kicked out. I want this to be the safest place in the world where you say, I mess up, I messed up, and everybody here goes, Me too. Let's figure out how to walk through this together. Yeah. That's the that's the vision. <laughs> Verse four says, But when Jesus heard about it, so Jesus hears about Lazarus getting sick, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. Pause. He died. How do you, hmm, you ever doubted God's word? I, I have, just, I want you to know I have. I believe it's true, but, but sometimes I go, I believe it, help me believe it. Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. He died. How, how do you, 
what, what do you do there? And then he goes on and say, no, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Okay, it's great. Lazarus is not going to die, or it's not going to end in death, but he died, and it's all for God's glory? Um, I'm confused. Like, I'm confused. But the thing that's beautiful about this is, because remember, Jesus brings Lazarus back to life. And so the, the one thing, I wrote, I wrote this down just for me this week, and I just wanted to share it with you, that no matter what the situation, Jesus has no limitation. In other words, Jesus said the sickness wouldn't end in death, and people go, Lazarus died. And I would say, yes, but the story wasn't over. Because as long as Jesus is involved in the story, the story's not over. And I don't know what has died in you. I don't know if hope has died, or joy has died, or freedom has died. But Jesus can bring that back to life because, as we always say around here, if you're not dead, God's not done. He still has a hope and a plan for your future. But that wasn't even the point. I read that whole glory of God thing, and I really started thinking and reflecting and writing some stuff down, and there's three myths that I think we believe in church world. These are three common myths that church people believe. And I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me. After the service today, I don't have time to argue. I'm going to go home, eat some barberitos, drink some coffee, and chill with my dog. All right? Because some of the stuff I put up here, it, some of you are like, I believe that. And if you believe that, it's okay. You walk in bondage. I walk in freedom. Here we go. These are myths. These are myths. Are you all ready? Anyway, I can't wait to read the comments online. Actually, I, filter. Myth number one. My suffering is for the glory of God. Mm, it got quiet. You ever heard that one? My suffering. God wants you to suffer so he can get glory. Really? So he's like a divine child abuser. Now, don't get me wrong. Suffering can bring glory to God. I've seen people suffer, and I've seen them suffer well. I watched my mother love Jesus while she was dying of cancer. And that actually strengthened my faith in the long term. It didn't tear it down. But to think that God has to cause you to suffer to get glory, think about how sick that is for just a second. What, what if a dad got on stage and said, hey, listen, dads, moms, I want you all to all Come to my house this afternoon, watch me beat my child, and as I beat my child, you tell me how awesome I am. Would any of us go, well, that, there's my Sunday afternoon activity right there. I'm going to go watch a man beat his children, tell him he's awesome. No, I see a man hit a kid, I'll I rip him a new one, right? Y'all understand what rip him a new one means? Okay, <laughs> kids, I'll, I'll just leave that. I'll, but that's so messed up. Is there suffering in the world? Yes. Do we have to go through pain and hardship? Yes. Does God make us go through it so he can get glory? I don't think so. Because the, the, the description that Jesus used for God, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the most common description through all of the Gospels was the word Father. Jesus said we could call God Father. He is a perfect heavenly Father. He is not some jacked 
up maniac with a killer surveillance system who wants us to screw up so he can catch, catch us and watch, uh, watch us suffer. God wants us to get it right more than we want to get it right. And when we suffer, he suffers too. I'm not saying you won't go through suffering. I'm just saying God is not beating you so he can get glory. That's one of the sickest things I've ever heard. It's almost as sick as this next one. God doesn't want us to be happy. He wants us to be holy. (laughs) Now, here's what's really embarrassing. I used to teach that. I did. I thought that. Have you ever met the Christian that's not happy, but they're holy? Which means they have a lot of spiritual activities that make them miserable. So, take everything happy out of your life. Take everything you hate doing, put it in your life, and that's Christianity. What? What? Because this is, this is what I started thinking. Okay, work with me here for just a second. Where in the universe is God's presence going to be the most real when it comes to eternity? It's a place called heaven. Exactly. Heaven. Heaven's awesome. I'd love to go. Not today. But, you know, in the future, I want to live a little while longer, right? So, so, but, like, heaven's going to be awesome. Now, the thing that's going to be the most prominently displayed in heaven is the glory of God. Now, we don't know a lot about heaven. There's all kind of books out there about heaven. I want to tell you, they don't know what they're talking about because there's not a lot in the Bible about heaven. There's a few snapshots, and all I know is it's going to be awesome, and I know that the thing that's going to be the most prominently displayed is called the glory of God. Of God, In other words, God's holiness. So God's holiness in heaven is going to be put on dis- display. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Now, in heaven, do you think we will be happy or we will be sad? We will be? Right. I think we'll be happy. So the happiness, of our happiness and God's holiness in eternity will hold hands. Why in the world do we think it has to be separate here on earth? Didn't Jesus say that he would give us an abundant life? One of my therapists asked me, I got several. One of my therapists asked me, I do. (laughs) They're so great. One of my therapists asked me one time, What brings you joy? What what, what brings you joy? And he was wanting me to kind of go into like fishing or hunting. And I'm like, No, those don't bring me joy. This would rob me of my joy. Every ounce of Some of you love to do it, and praise God, if that brings you joy, fish, hunt, all you want. Not me. In fact, I shocked him, but he, he, he was, he, he's a professional, so he came back at me pretty quick. He said, what brings you joy? I said, to hear my daughter laugh. If you're a parent, you get this, right? How many, how many of your parents in the room? Your parents? Oh, yeah, yeah. To hear your kid laugh, and I'm not talking about a fake laugh. I'm not talking about ha-ha. I'm talking about the belly laugh that kind of explodes out of them. You know what I'm talking about, moms and dads? You will do anything to hear that again over and over, watch parents in public. The, their IQ drops 75 points. Just, it, they'll be like, hey, how are you doing? You don't do that at work. You don't do that at your boss. You don't do that to anybody else. But you, you know why? Because you want to hear them laugh. Because parents, is it not true that when our children laugh, we're filled with joy? Yes or no? 
Why in the world would we think that's true of us and not think that's true of our Heavenly Father who is the perfect Heavenly Father? In fact, the, one of the things that I've written down for me to remind me of who my Father in Heaven is is this. God does not want us to be filled with begrudging submission, but rather wants us to be filled with absolute joy. Is he glorified with people that are like, I read my Bible, I don't listen to secular music, I don't go to rated R movies, I don't speak, I smoke, drink, chew, or go with girls that do, and I don't do anything bad, and I do everything right, and I'm saved, and I'm miserable, and if you just accept Jesus, you can be just like me. <laughs> God's like, let's make sure that dude goes to West Virginia somewhere, right? <laughs> Some of you are like, are you going to offend people in West Virginia? They're not watching. Um, <laughs> number <laughs> Myth number three, sickness is simply a lack of faith and effort. You ever heard that? I had a friend one time that had a cold. I was talking to her. She had a cold, and she was on her phone. And uh, she got this. I actually just got a text. Hold on. I really did. I know I don't want to pay my Verizon bill right now. All right, so she's on her phone, and um, she, she, she had that thing. I don't know if you've ever seen this where they just go, oh. I'm like, what? She's like, I'm on the phone with a, she's, I'm texting with a friend. He told me, if I just had faith in Jesus, I wouldn't have a cold. I was like, just text him back and ask him, has he heard of, like, germs? <laughs> Biology 101. But there, there's a certain brand of Christianity out there that says, oh, you have, you have cancer? It's because you don't have faith. You're sick? It's because you don't have faith. You, you're not feeling close in your relationship with God? Well, you just need to do more. You need to try harder. You need, you need to, oh, you're stressed? You're freaked out? Do more, try harder. How's that working? See, I don't think that sickness is simply a lack of faith and effort, I think sickness is the result of us living in a fallen world. And sickness causes us not to be able to see Jesus. That's why when we're sick, the sooner we admit it and raise our, just like Lazarus, sick three times. And ultimately, he wound up dying, but coming back to life. It's pretty incredible. So, so John goes on to tell us this. So although Jesus loved Mar Martha Mary and Lazarus. So did Jesus love them, yes or no? Yes. yes. No question about the love of Jesus. He stayed where he was for the next two days. Jesus stands up. This sickness will not end in death. And he sits down. And he's like, would you, hey, pass the, pass the salt, man. I just, yeah, 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 we're going to go. Now, here's the, reason, here's the reason I couldn't really connect with this. I'm the type of person, if I have a gift for you, i got to give it to you immediately. Anybody, anybody with me on this one? I, I, I really do suck at gift giving. It's like, okay, I'll buy it. Okay, 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 okay. here's your Christmas present. It's July. I know, I know, I know. It's Christmas, July. We'll just do, I'll do something else. I, just take it. Take it. If I buy something for somebody, I got to give it right then, right? I've got a, I had a buddy that did that, and he bought his fiance, or he bought his girlfriend an engagement ring. He's like, man, look what I bought. I was like, you need to give it to me. He's like, I ain't trying to marry you. I was like, I ain't trying to marry you either. I'm just telling you, if you don't give it to me, you're going to give it to her because I know you. You, you just can't. And, and, and when we're like that, we're like, hey, if we got something good, we want to give it away. We got something good, we want to give it away. We got something, I, I, I'm thinking of the Red Hot Chili Peppers right now. I'm sorry. My mind is like, give it away, give it away, give it away now. But 
one of the things I love about this passage is Jesus loves us enough to wait. Jesus loves us enough to wait. Jesus could have spoken the words and Lazarus would have been healed. But Jesus wanted to do way more than heal a sick person. He wanted to bring a dead person back to life. And oftentimes Jesus wants to do way more in our lives than we're actually asking for. His plans really are greater than our plans. So let me wrap it up today by just saying three final thoughts. When it comes to the pain, confusion, the sickness, the anxiety, the fear, the depression, the worry, Jesus knows. He knows. You know what Jesus also knows? Healing has never taken place in isolation. Jesus gave us one another so we could step through the healing process. That's why we have an invitation every week here at Second Chance. That's why I offer, or we offer the opportunity for people to step back to the care room. You know what you find back there? People that will listen to you, won't try to solve your problems, that will pray with you, pray for you, and, and help you walk through anything you need to go through. This is not a place where you got a fear raising your hand and saying, I'm not okay. This is the place when you raise your hand and say, I'm not okay, all of us just go, me too. Jesus, Jesus knows. The second thing that you need to understand is that Jesus cares. Because one of the things that happens to us when we get in the middle of pain and suffering and confusion and fear and worry is we think that Jesus doesn't actually care about us. In fact, there's people here today, and you've actually wondered this week, does Jesus even care? And I would say, isn't it ironic that you're sitting in a room or watching online today looking at a slide that says, Jesus cares, and you've been wondering this week, does he care? He absolutely cares about you and what you're going through. And this third one, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you that Jesus is at work. He's at work in your situation. He does his best work when we're not even aware that he's working. And all the while, Mary and Martha are freaking out because their brother is about to die Jesus has plans to let him die so he can bring him back to life. So whatever is dead inside of you, whatever is dying inside of you, Jesus, Jesus can bring it back to life. And we've got to stop listening to the voice of the enemy and listen to the voice of the one who, who paid the price for our sins. Let me close with this. Some of y'all like this. Um, if you weren't here last week, you'll have to go back and listen to the message. But y'all remember the man I told you about last week that followed me home? Y'all remember that? I saw him Monday. Things went a little different. I was coming out of the gym, and uh, I was on the phone with a friend. I'm kind of talking. I'm walking down the street. and I, Same thing. I looked at him. He made eye contact. I looked at him, he looked at me, and I told my friend, I said, hold on for a second. And he looked at me, he did the same thing he did last week. He looked at me and went, mm. And I looked at him, and I, I stared him straight in the eye, and I just, I just didn't move. I didn't threaten him. I didn't say anything. I just kind of shook my head back, and he walked away. 
And I started thinking, you know what? That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to follow us. He wants to threaten us. He wants to intimidate us. And today I'm telling you, in Christ, you can look at him and say, "Mm mm-mm. I am not what I did. I am not what happened to me. I am a brand new person. I am a child of God. I am forgiven. I am free. And I'm going to walk in the abundant life that Jesus promised me rather than living in the accusations from the enemy. So I hope today that you'll leave with hope and understand that Jesus knows and that Jesus cares and that he really is at work. And if you can't see him, just tell him, I can't see you. Help me trust you. Can we stand for closing prayer? Jesus, I want to thank you for every single person here, for every one watching online right now or listening to the podcast. Father, I, I pray, I just pray, God, for absolute freedom and healing in our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe, you, maybe that just needs to be your prayer right now. Jesus, I can't see you. Help me to trust you. Help me with what I'm going through. Help me with what I'm struggling with. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you need someone to pray with you or for you about what you're going through. I want you to listen to me. You can't heal alone. And this is the safest place in the world to admit, I'm freaked out, I'm worried, I'm stressed, I need someone to pray with me. And if that's you, I just want you to step out of your aisle right now and walk out the back doors of our sanctuary. Because we have care team volunteers back there. And listen, they want to meet with you. And go right now. There, there, there are people moving, so you feel the freedom to go right now. We would love, we would love to pray with you today about that struggle, about that anxiety, about that worry, about that fear. You just go right now. We are here. It, listen, it really is okay to not be okay. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life and you know that's your next step. You've known that's your next step. And if you know you need to accept Jesus today, to give your life to Jesus today, then right where you stand in your heart, I want you to pray with me right now. Right now, just you can give your life to Jesus. Just say, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. Come into my life and take over. I surrender everything to you. Show me how to live for you the rest of my life, the best I know how. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, would you just hold up your hand just for a second? I want to celebrate with you and I want to pray for you. Anybody else? If you're online, hold up your hand. Father, thank you. Thank you that you save people. Thank you that you change lives. Thank you that you bring dead things back to life. Thank you, God, that you give hope. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to walk out of here knowing that no matter what happens, you are at work in our lives. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you all have a great week. We'll see you next week for part two of Dead Man Walking.